Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Today is Tuesday, June 29th, and we study the inspired and true word of God and put on our Christ goggles in 2 Kings chapter 20. The northern kingdom, Israel, has fallen. The Assyrians have taken over Samaria. It is quite fascinating to see what feels like, at least in the Bible, a quick takeover. But we know that it was not a simple one. It was one that obviously was from unfaithfulness. And now there's a continuous threat to Judah. And Hezekiah is trying to figure this out. He's praying. There's prophecies. There's Isaiah. There's Sennacherib. um, Goes back to his God after God protects Judah. And now we see what happens with Hezekiah. Not a commonly studied chapter in Holy Scripture, but so many connections throughout the Bible. So stay tuned because the gifts are ready, ready for you. We want to give thanks to our friends at, at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit LHF Missions for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word, we welcome with us this morning Pastor Joshua Kanipa of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Nederland, Texas. Pastor Kanipa, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Howdy, Brady. Good to be with you today. Glad to be digging into God's Word uh, here on KFUO. Pastor Kanipa, tell us what's happening for you and the work of the saints at Holy Cross. Now, now, you know what? Alice says, where's where's Nederland? Let's start there. Where's (laughs) Nederland? Well, uh, it's it's about an hour east of what uh, most people think about as Houston, so it's uh, close to the uh, Texas-Louisiana border, uh, very near the uh, Gulf Coast there. Uh, I arrived here in March of 2020, which is kind of when everything started falling apart, so it has been a unique, I think that's the word we use a lot, it has been a unique uh, first year plus a number of months uh, in my uh, time here at Holy Cross, but uh, it has been good, and uh, it's been good to get to know the folks uh, here. Uh, some exciting stuff happening, and I know uh, everybody here is uh, enjoying the summer and preparing for the fall, and we're really looking forward to uh, uh, making some big strides and, and impacts for the gospel here in our community. And that's interesting because you will forever have a perspective of basically starting when COVID started, and that is going to, how do you say it? That's going to form the ministry there in, wonder, I think, wonderful ways, kind of traumatizing ways probably the last year. But I, we, have, we have other guests that basically either started their ministry in COVID, uh, graduates, you know, like last year's seminary graduates started there. And it's just going to be, it's going to be different. And so what a blessing that will be. I look forward to having you on in the future and hearing more about what that looks like. But what else is happening for you and your, and your life and the ministry? Uh, I tell you, man, uh, things are just rolling along. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, I'm recently back uh, here in Texas. That is my home state. And so, uh, it's been good to, uh, insofar as we could, uh, spend a little bit more time with uh, family and extended family and, and some of those uh, folks over the past number of months. And so uh, it's, it's really been a blessing. Uh, I'm thankful for uh, previous uh, opportunities in ministry, but uh, really enjoying uh, my time here and uh, looking, looking forward to, uh, to a lot of neat things in the future, too. Awesome. And I do know this to our listeners. 
that if you are one who happens to have some kind of baseball tickets to some kind of major league or minor league team anywhere in the country and you have an extra one, call Pastor Canipa and he'll find a way to go with you. What, right, Absolutely. Pastor? Absolutely. Uh, those things are, are, are always a joy. And uh, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a big fan. <laughs> All right, there it is. Well, Pastor, as we begin our time today in Second Kings chapter 20, can you begin our time in prayer? I would love to. I would love to. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this day and for the blessing of this time together. Uh, I ask, Lord, that uh, now, as we open up the pages of Scripture, uh, that you would be with us, that you would speak to us, uh, Lord, and that you would teach us all that you have for us to learn today. Uh, We commend this time to you in Jesus' good name. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor uh, Kanipa, we are in as I said before, for Second Kings chapter twenty, and it is it is a wild ride. I mean, I feel like I've been on this huge roller coaster. Well, basically, since I started First Kings, let's be honest. Um, but when we come to Second Kings chapter twenty, there is it seems to be a runaway train in all reality of what's been happening. So, can you give us a? I want to say just a, a good summary. You're a good teacher, and and. Um, been one that I value a lot as far as my own ministry and how you teach. And so can you kind of give us a summary of what's happened in the last few chapters to help us out this morning? Yeah, well, and let me say, uh, I appreciate, uh, uh, Pastor Fenner, and I appreciate you uh, taking a bite uh, out of the uh, the history books here, uh, because there's so many interesting stories uh, that exist. And, and, you know, it goes all the way back to this time before when, you know, God's people at the outset of some of this said, uh, hey, we want to have a king like all the other nations around us. And uh, God's kind of like, you, you, you don't really want that. that that's not going to go well. It's going to end badly. And they're like, we appreciate the advice, but we still want a king like everybody else has. And so, uh, you know, God tells them it's going to go bad and it starts kind of going bad from the beginning. And so we go through this time and, and different Kings and some of them are good and some of them are bad. And then we end up with a divided kingdom. And, and uh, once the kingdom divides in Israel, all the Kings are bad. And so uh, as we encounter uh, here, Hezekiah's reign in Judah, uh, you know, Israel has fallen in 722 BC. And so uh, they fell to Assyria. And we read about that in chapter 17. And so then uh, we're here in chapter 20 and, and Hezekiah showed up on the scene. Uh, his reign begins in chapter 18 with Judah. And they obviously Assyria is a threat here. They just took they just conquered our, our brothers here to the north. And so uh, what's going to happen now? So we've got Assyria there while Babylon is rising. And so uh, we've got an encounter with both of those nations here in this chapter uh, for Hezekiah. And Hezekiah is an interesting story, too, because uh, he, you know, in verse 18, when his reign begins and we're first introduced to him, uh, we're told that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, right? Uh, He removed the high places. He broke the pillars. He cut down the Asherah poles. He broke, um, you know, he he did good things. But then by the time we get to chapter 20, uh, Hezekiah has changed. And uh, it, it, uh, the decisions that he makes in chapter 20 uh, are, are not good. And, and so uh, that's what we're going to be talking about here over the next uh, number of minutes. But, uh, Man, what what happened to Hezekiah, and what does that have to teach us? Those are kind of our our questions here as we get into it. And I love 
how you broke that down because when you have, uh, for example, Isaiah, um, Isaiah, he he's presented the previous few chapters, and then you have the prophecy of Isaiah, and we tend to look at the Bible like we do with any book. You have the beginning Genesis, and it just chronologically continues all the way to Revelation. You're like, oh, this is simple. You just you know, you start in a couple thousand BC and you end on 100 AD, but that's not how it works. There's a connection here to Second Chronicles, um, a very light connection, but the connection's there. And then you have Isaiah, which would be Isaiah 38, which is very much so um, very similar and, and how it looks there. So I would encourage our listeners to look at that because there is a wonderful connection with Isaiah 38 into 39 that connects us to second Kings chapter 20, which I have to admit, I did not thoroughly look at that before we studied this text uh, for this morning. So any thoughts on those connections and the, the beautiful intricate nature of the Holy scriptures? Yeah, they're there. And, and we'd probably consider this a parallel text, right? To Isaiah um, 38, as you mentioned. And, and, and so uh, you read them together, you read them in tandem. There's a couple of differences there. But there's obvious uh, influence that takes place there. And uh, that, you know, that's, that's part of our, um, I mean, one of the points that we always like to use, uh, Pastor Fenner, when we're talking about scripture is we have this um, idea called scripture interprets scripture. And so that means that uh, we use uh, more clear places and, and stories and statements and stuff. We use more clear stuff to explain stuff that's a little less clear that we have questions about. And so uh, having these parallel texts that have really good agreement on what happened um, is a real value and a real resource. And so, uh, you know, we've got Isaiah, one of the great, you know, perhaps the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, one of them, he's on the list. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we have uh, Hezekiah who uh, starts out as a good king and then he's kind of fading here. And so um, you always in the Old Testament, you've got a king and you've got a prophet. And so Isaiah's a prophet here, and uh, it's, it's, it's kind of going sideways here in chapter 20. It's kind of like a Brewers fan saying, you know, Robin Yount is on the list for right. one of the greats. You can't <laughs> quite say that he's the greatest. Can I yeah. say it that way? <laughs> he's, yeah, he's up there. He's uh, the kid. No, no doubt. <laughs> well, Pastor, um, I think we're ready to dig in. Are you ready? Let's go. All right. Well, here we go. A reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture of 2 Kings chapter 20. And we begin in verses 1 and we'll go through verse 7. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord Yahweh, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember now that I have walked before you in faithfulness with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you should go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you in the city out of the hand of the king of Israel, Assyria, excuse me, and I will defend the city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Bring a cake of figs and let them take it, take and lay it on the boil, 
that he may recover. So, we well, give us a summary of what's happening here in these first seven verses. Yeah, so we have, obviously, uh, Hezekiah falls ill. Uh, and so the prophet Isaiah comes and, and is there for him, with him, ministering to them uh, and all of this. And then uh, Hezekiah cries out to the Lord. And he cries out in prayer and uh, asks for help. And so I think one of the lessons for us, uh, because there are, you know, people who think, well, like, if God already has all of this determined, what's even the point of me praying? And to that, I would respond, Hezekiah is on his deathbed, and he calls out to the Lord, you know, expecting a response, praying for, you know, hoping for a response that's going to lead to a longer life for him. Um, And Pastor Finneran, we should never hesitate to call upon the Lord in our time of need. Uh, because the Lord responds here, and the Lord responds uh, in in no small way, right? Because He grants Hezekiah another fifteen years of life. That's a big deal, and so uh, it should always be our first reaction when we're challenged and and when we need help. We should cry out to the Lord, and uh, Hezekiah did. Isaiah was there, uh, and because of that, uh, and they bring out the fig. So of course, everything's fine now. So uh, we should definitely uh, call upon the Lord, uh, you know, in every need and pray, pray, and give thanks, uh, as, as Dr. Luther taught us. Absolutely. And that's a very, very helpful reality to think about prayer, because in prayer, you're right. We think about this is that like, well, we say thy will be done in the, in the small catechism. When they talk about the Lord's prayer, the good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayer. And you're like, yeah. I mean, if I don't pray, well, it's going to happen. God's going to do what he's going to do anyways. And you're like, yes, but God invites us to pray as a a dear children will ask their dear father. And God, in his ultimate wisdom and mercy, um, acts in ways that react to the prayers. React is probably not the right word. Answers those prayers according to his gracious and loving will. So it. Um, but we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. And we see it firsthand right here. Basically, he tells he tells them, well, you're going to die. And he's like, okay. And he prays and, and he asks him, pleads with him. And then the Lord grants him 15 years. It reminds me of Solomon a little bit that he asked him, what do you need? And he could have asked for wealth and everything else, but he asked for wisdom and God blessed him according to what he wanted to give. So it, I love how you put that into prayer. Um, one thing I wanted to say, ask you here, and I want your thoughts on it is, so is this kind of like, a, um, this is how you pray, is that you pray um, and you do all this and then you have a few tears and then God answers your prayers? Is that what God's doing here? Uh, you know, I, I think that... Uh, Ultimately, as you mentioned, I will be done is is a way, you know, certainly God's will prevails over over any of our uh, requests or, or, or what would have you. Uh, I don't I don't know that God's response is because of Hezekiah's tears. Uh, I do know that that God is playing out, you know, his will over the course of human history. And this is how this particular thing is going to play out in the life of Hezekiah and in the you know, life of the nation of Judah here. And, uh, and from there it's, it's, it's going to go forward for, for, you know, in an earthly sense for good or for bad, but ultimately in his will and, and his divine, you know, providence as, as he's going to work out 
uh, human history going forward. Absolutely. So we don't need to whip up a few tears when we pray is I think what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other issue is, so, okay. So he, he sustains his life for 15 years, gives them the promise that he will deliver them in the city out of the hand of the King of Assyria. It does not mean that there might not be other issues, which clearly we see historically. And then he brings a cake of figs. Now I don't know what cake of fig is, figs are like. It doesn't sound appealing to me. Um, <laughs> did you find anything on the cake of figs and the significance of that? Yeah, I think figs were used kind of back in the day in a medicinal way. Uh, mm. It does mention uh, uh, laid on the boil, so uh, you know Hezekiah's illness and sickness. You know, was it some kind of skin thing? Was it like a leprosy type of illness or something like that? This seems to indicate that that that's what he was, you know, afflicted with. But uh, um, they, they used the figs, man. Uh, so <laughs> I guess uh, we got we to gotta look into that. See, see what those look like on uh, Amazon these days uh, if you want to treat some illnesses. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, look, on, uh, look online, try to find a cake of figs and see if this is something that's good for you as well. It reminds me a little bit of uh, in Minnesota when people maybe want to have something that they think is good, that they'll have some lutefisk. Yeah. It doesn't sound appealing to me, but evidently it worked at one time. So anyways, <laughs> back, back on the farm on this that's one. Right. As we look at these first five, or excuse me, first seven verses, it, just, it really just lays out the context, the power of prayer, the power, more importantly, of the power of our Lord who answers these prayers and how he is sustaining him for the future, uh, I guess you say, battles or toils and tribulations that he will have. So any other thoughts on the first seven verses? Uh, I think that's good. All right. So let's keep moving forward. Verses 8 through 11. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me, and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord Yahweh on the third day? And Isaiah said, This shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or go back ten steps? And Hezekiah answered, It is an easy thing for the shadow to lengthen ten steps. Rather, let the shadow go back ten steps. And Isaiah the prophet called to the Lord, and he brought the shadow back ten steps, by which it had gone down on the steps of Ahaz. Now, I actually, uh, Pastor, want to take one step back, is that ultimately the answer for Hezekiah of when he says, in three days you will be healed, and I will add 15 years to your life, what should have been the response of Hezekiah at that point? Hezekiah's response should have been, well, thanks be to God, and, uh, you know, go home and get ready for 15 more years, man. Kiss your, uh, kiss your wife and kiss your babies. And we're going to keep doing this thing for a while. Um, and instead though, his response is no, I'm actually going to need a sign. Um, which, you know, I always, this is always a phrase that I, that I use when talking about a lot of these things, whenever we want to look back on some of these historical figures and our biblical figures and say, uh, well, man, that, that guy was a dummy. Why did he do that? Uh, the phrase that I use is, you know what? He probably represented us well. And by that, I mean, not that they did the right thing, but they did the thing that we probably would have done. Uh, and so um, Hezekiah asked for a sign uh, and we can dog him for that. Or we can say like, you know, he's an old guy. He's on his deathbed. He doesn't think he's going to make it. This other crazy old guy comes in and tells him he's going to be okay. 
would I have asked for a sign too? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, right. So uh, it's uh, it, it's an interesting response, but it, it probably shouldn't surprise us as much as maybe it does. So okay, so he doesn't say thanks be to God, which I mean, well, it's Monday morning quarterback, right? I mean, this right. is the uh, this is the Minnesota Viking tagline. Well, you know, we, we should have done this, and everything would have been solved, you know, and four Super Bowls and a whole bunch of NFC Championship games later, we can all say we would have done differently. But I don't, I don't know. I never put on the Vikings uniform, so it's the same thing here with Hezekiah. Um, he doesn't say thanks be to God, and he doesn't live that life. What does he do? What does he ask? Yeah, well, he, he wants a sign. He 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 wants uh, the Lord to prove to him that this is actually what's what's going to happen, um, and. Uh, yeah, like I said, Hezekiah is a guy who started off strong, but we see he's fading here uh, toward toward the end of his. Uh, well, not it's not even at the end of his life anymore. Uh, and yet, as his reign goes along, we we, we start to have problems, and, and we start to have uh, places where he's 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 squirrely, man. He's getting squirrely. Yeah, and and the request is like, okay, how do I know this is going to happen? And then Isaiah says something that's very confusing. And I, I think, I don't know how much we're going to be able to clarify this, but he basically talks about shadows, forward 10 steps, back 10 steps. Um, so then he asks him, well, maybe he'll do this. And then Hezekiah does a little, uh, I guess you say, um, um, negotiation. And then they decide on the proper way that God should make shadows work. And, and then it kind of goes from there. Any, any insights on this? Cause I did not find a lot of good stuff on this. Hopefully you did. Well, <laughs> the, uh, the illustration seems to be, and just think about this um, for the listeners when, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you, you watch the shadow, you know, move and, you know, the shadows move faster, you know, right in the morning and right when the sun's going down. Right. And so uh, think of a staircase and the shadow is moving either up or down the staircase when you wake up in the morning. And then it's going the other way when you're going to bed at night, uh, you know, depending on the shape of everything and when you're getting it. And so um, it seems to be like this demonstration and this miraculous thing that happens where we're, we're, we're actually going to go back in time and, and the sun's going to move, or I shouldn't say back in time, but just uh, the, the sun, the shadow is going to move in a way that it's not supposed to go. And this is this demonstration of God's power who controls all of creation and, and time and space and all the rest of it. So it's certainly something God can do. And uh, this, this ends up being the, the, the way that, that this is demonstrated. Yeah. And it's interesting because he, he, he says it is an easy thing for the shadow to lengthen 10 steps and then rather let the shadow go back 10 steps. Like, okay. And God kind of answers that prayer. I guess you call that a prayer, maybe more of a negotiation. Of course, prayer can be negotiation. It's like, Hey, I would really like this. And how about this? Well, God might answer it more than likely he won't, but here he does. And he brought the shadow back 10 steps, proving that he will restore Hezekiah and that he will bring him back in three, three days, and he will live another 15 years, which once again, here's his chance. Verse 11 comes to the end. And what should his answer be, Pastor? His answer should be, once again, thank you, Lord. And uh, let's, let's go forward from here and spend the rest of my life uh, as a reflection of the goodness and mercy that God has shown to me. So I want to I reflect on that a little bit. And as you've been a pastor for, uh, I believe, 16 years now, um, yeah. and you've uh, 
been with people and obviously lived a Christian life uh, your whole life. Uh, why is it so hard for us just to kind of stop at those words? Thanks be to God. Why is it hard for us to say it and sometimes just stop there and rest in his grace? Well, and I think it goes back to, uh, this is something that one of the uh, members of one of my previous congregations uh, just uh, would always remember and remind an uh, older fellow, World War II vet, the whole thing, uh, the devil, the world, and our flesh. And it's it's just uh, in every moment when we should be called back to the Lord, we've got those those big three that are pulling us away and saying, like, was it really the Lord that did this? Like, you, you, you've been you've been at this for a while and you, you graduated from college. Like, are you sure you're not the one who figured this out? Uh, and so uh, I, I think that, that just uh, when something good happens for us, uh, oftentimes it's just, it's not on our radar or something distracts us or circumstances, you know, draw our attention in another direction. Um, and instead of just thanking the Lord, we kind of, we, we think that we have done a good thing and, and uh, that certainly, um, there needs to be space for that understanding and that patience and that repentance. Uh, and it certainly would have uh, changed the ending, I think, to Hezekiah's story, as we're going to see as we move forward here. Absolutely. And I just encourage our listeners to um, think about ways. It's almost a daily thing. Uh, it goes back to Luther's morning and evening prayers that begins with, you know, I thank you, my heavenly father. Uh, that you have, and your dear son, that you've kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I thank you, my heavenly father, through you, that you have graciously kept me this day. And these are good words for us. And this is why I think sometimes a written prayer is helpful because sometimes in my own prayer life, I'll just be like, well, God, just uh, make sure I have good food tonight and I sleep well. Amen. You know, you don't really think about giving thanks or we see what God has blessed us with and just to give thanks and obviously giving thanks for people and so forth. This is a classic case and I appreciate that insight as we look. But right now, Pastor Canippo, we're going to take our break. We are studying 2 Kings chapter 20 with Pastor Joshua Canippa, and we will be right back. On America's college campuses, doors are open to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The number of international students studying at American schools has more than quadrupled over the past decade. For many of these young men and women, it's their first time living in a free society where they can ask questions about Christianity. You can help answer their questions. Go to lhfmissions.org and partner with the Lutheran Heritage Foundation to translate good Lutheran books into languages these students can read and understand. lhfmissions.org and welcome back. We are studying 2 Kings chapter 20 with Pastor Joshua Kanippa of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Nederland, Texas. And Pastor, we're going to make a new transition here with Hezekiah. Um, we, first of all, have to remember our own uh, problems is that when we see the issues that Hezekiah has, we have to see ourselves. And then secondly, and this is true in first and second Kings, that God is long suffering and patient with his people that we might tend to focus on the times where he 
destroyed Ahab's family. We might take those times where he destroyed others and get kind of like, wow, he's kind of fast. But when you really read the whole breadth of what God did, he's long-suffering and patient, and he loves Hezekiah. He loves Isaiah. And if he can love them, he also can love you. Last thoughts on those first 11 verses, Pastor. Yeah, it's it's a good story of that and uh, that uh, mindset of just what can what can I learn from this? What can I take from this as we read? And, and sometimes we feel challenged by that, I think, with some of these Old Testament stories. Uh, and I say stories, they're, they're real events, real people. And that's a good thing for us to kind of recenter on is, is understand that they're not just stories. And these are uh, actual people who went through actual things, who made real decisions uh, for for the good and for the bad. And that's one thing that we can all relate to is that we've all made decisions for the good and we've made decisions for the bad. And so let's read what they did and discuss it and learn from it and then take those lessons going forward. All right, let's continue on, verses 12 through 15. I think I'm just going to go through verse 15, Pastor, just so we're Oh, I have a short attention span. So let's go 12 through 15 and see what happens. At that time, Merodach Baladun, the son of Baladun, king of Babylon, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah welcomed them, and he showed them all his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his armory, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? And from where did they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They have come from a far country, from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, They've seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Now, part of the reason I wanted to stop there is to maybe <laughs> just think for a moment of the, of the longstanding issues that are going to be here. Because first of all, you have Babylon, which we know from Isaiah and from other parts, this is not going to end well for anybody. At the same time, King Hezekiah has a lot of stuff. So where do you want to take us with those two realities that we see in these verses? Yeah, well, and let's start, and you started to do that with, let's set the table for how kind of we got here, uh, is that uh, Assyria has taken, you know, Israel, the northern kingdom recently. Um, and so we've got Babylon here. Babylon is a kingdom that is on the rise. Uh, and uh, at least ostensibly right here, they're a kingdom looking for some allies, right? Because we've got Assyria, they're the greatest power, you know, looking into the geopolitics of all of this. Assyria is strong, and if they just took this kingdom, they're going to be a threat to any other kingdom that exists there. And so uh, Babylon, you know, comes to Judah, it's like, hey, I heard you weren't feeling so well. Here, let me give you some presents. And so then, uh, you know, it seems to be they show up, and Hezekiah and Judah are kind of like, well, hey, Look at all my stuff. I have a jet ski, you know, and all these other items uh, that they want to demonstrate and show kind of, you know, their prominence, you know, yes, to kind of show off, but also to be like, uh, hey, we've at least held off the Assyrians for this long. And uh, we we do have some strength and we do have, you know, some some well to do uh, position that, that that's kind of here. And, and so we're 
you know, we want to show you how strong and rich we are, but we also want to show you that you shouldn't mess with us. And I guess it works for a little while, but uh, it's, uh, it's it's interesting what uh, all the dynamics of these different nations and everything. It's it's really um, it's an interesting part of these stories to to examine some of that. Right, because it's hard for us to imagine when you know the rest of the story that the king of Babylon would show up in Judah. And Hezekiah's like, hey, come on in. You guys seem like nest fellows. I'll have you come in. And you guys would never take us away from our home. You never destroy our temple. You guys are just nice guys. You know, you're like a Minnesotan. Everyone's just nice. <laughs> Everybody's and just neat. nice. Yeah. yeah, just a lot of niceness. No passive aggressive or anything going on there. And and so they, he invites them in. So this is a political move. And one of the fascinating parts of First Second Kings is how much politics plays on what you're trying to understand like the edomites the moabites the phoenicians and here is 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 full bore assyria where like you said they are the power they're to the north you have uh we hear about syrian kings we we see assyria and how much they've grown they've literally taken over and they're surrounding judah almost in every corner and so not only is babylon wanting to to join up guaranteed hezekiah is like you know what can it's like it's like for us canada is about to about to attack us we need some friends from somewhere else <laughs> and so that's a major part of what's happening here um anything else about the geopolitical or political realm of this yeah just uh it it uh as we both mentioned here it's, it's all just very interesting and um it, it it uh it's an exercise in kind of what if but but you know what if we went back to that fatal decision of uh of god's people way back where they said we want a king and god's like yeah let's not do that let's let you guys stay at theocracy and i'll just be in charge of this whole thing um how, how would that have been different right now uh we you know we can't know we won't know we can ask on the other side of eternity what what that would look like but uh it what they decided it didn't go well and it just keeps playing out and then and then has and then uh isaiah asks him what did you show him and he's like i showed him everything and i'm kind of i've been kicking around and trying to read up on this why did isaiah ask that in that way any any thoughts and we were, were part of it is conjecture what are your thoughts on why did isaiah ask him um, what did they say? What did you show them? Where did they come from? And, you know, basically, what did you all show them in our house? Did you show them the kitchen? Did you show them the bathroom? What did you show them? Why was Isaiah asking this? Any your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know for sure. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, I guess part of it is just trying to figure out the uh, the information and, and everything that came forward. And, and uh, I think part of it, too, is he wants to get Hezekiah's reaction, I think, you know, as as the his prophet, right? Uh, he's trying to figure out uh, kind of the condition of Hezekiah's heart, and Hezekiah comes out and he says, he says, "Oh, you know, I showed him everything. I showed him all the gold. I showed him all the rooms. I showed him all the house. There's nothing uh, that I didn't show him." Um, and uh, I, I just, you know, once again, it's this exercise in what if, but uh, what if? Because we read Isaiah's prophecy that we're going to read here in just a moment, but what if? After Hezekiah saying, I showed him everything and everything, all the gold and all that stuff. And and what a blessing it is that we have all of these things because we have uh, our God is Yahweh, the God of the Bible. And everything that we have is a blessing from him. And I told 
the representatives. I told the guys from Babylon, all this has come from Yahweh, and that's who we worship, that's who I worship, and you should worship him with me. And what what if uh, Hezekiah had said that and to, to tack on to the end of his little description there? And that's a true, that's another, I mean, that's a main thread through majority of our chapter today is what is our response to the blessing that God has given to us? Um, um, you know, for, for him who uh, was rich, became poor so that we might have the righteous, his righteousness. You know, it's the second Corinthians eight and nine type of language. And it's a hard thing to do, as we mentioned before. And here he shows them everything. Now, one step back here. In Minnesota, you know, we would show them, kind of like you said, the jet skis, you know, show them our lake home. Um, I think when I lived in Kansas, it would show the all the uh, deer heads and the hunting <laughs> awards that they got. What would it be in Texas? If you were to say, hey, let me show you something, what would people show in Texas? Yeah, it'd probably be some of that uh, same stuff. You know, I don't know if you've got a ranch or you got land or something, you'd want to show them your land and, and show them your, if you got some cattle and stuff like that. Uh, I always tell, uh, you know, kids around here, it's like, if we're going to go somewhere else, like go to a, do a service project out of state or a convention or something like that. And people ask you like, te- you know, stereotypical Texas questions. Just go ahead and lean into all of that. They're like, do you ride your horse to school? Heck yeah, I ride my horse to school. I ride my horse to school every day. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, that, uh, that might be, uh, some of what it is, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's just, uh, it's, you, you got to show him everything. And that's what Hezekiah did, you know? That's what he did. Yeah. So let's continue to move forward. Um, verses 16 through 19. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. Some of your own sons who shall be born to you shall be taken away and shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought, why not, if there will be peace and security in my days? Now, okay, so let's let's start here. We could we we definitely um it's a little bit shocking here, but the beginning, what does Isaiah in essence tell Hezekiah of what's gonna happen now? Yeah, I he, he tells Hezekiah he's just like these guys who showed up who you think are your friends. They're not your friends. Uh, and in fact, they're going to be your entire downfall. They're going to be the downfall of this whole nation. They're going to be a downfall of your family. They're going to take your sons away. Uh, it, 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 all of this is, is going to happen. Uh, and and uh, this is just the end of it. And it's, it, it, this is a tragic, uh, Pastor Fenner, this is a tragic passage of Scripture right here. And uh, I know, you know, we've seen it throughout the course, uh, well, I mean, all the way back to First Samuel, you know, we've seen Yahweh telling God's people, like, that this, this is all going to fall apart. And it's just that, that prophecy gets more acute as we move through those, you know, these kind of four, you know, history books uh, detailing the, the kingdom here. Um, but uh, th- th- this is stark, it is personal, and it is something that, Hezekiah's kind of ambivalent too. He he, I know we'll get to that in a minute. But like just to start out, it it's it's tragic and it's heartbreaking. And uh, you know, you think you've made some 
some, you know, you think these guys are your bros, but it, it, it is not going to go down that way. And, uh, yeah. Mm. So it starts, it starts with something that we can kind of tangibly see. And the tangible, the tangible part is, okay, all these riches. So kind of imagine your own home, something you value, all of this stuff will be taken away. Not only will it be taken away from you, but it's going to go to Babylon, the same group that you just showed it all to. So it's like you invite your buddies over, and then they say, by the way, you know, Pastor Knippa is going to take all that stuff and bring it back to Texas. Yeah. And you're kind of like, what is going on? What are you talking about? This is crazy. I showed them all, and I think part of it for Isaiah was just showing, yeah, all that stuff that you showed, it's all gone. It's all, I mean, everything is gone. And so you feel betrayed. You get that part. Like, okay, I can I can tangibly see this. This is something I see right now. Um, but then he gets to the next part when he says, and some of your own sons who shall be born to you. Now we're talking about something we can't see. This is something where these are sons that aren't even there yet, that they will, will be taken basically as slaves. They will not be able to have more children. I think that's kind of what they're saying there as well, that basically the lineage ends um, with you and with them and your children will suffer and maybe their grand, your grandchildren, everyone's going to suffer and be taken away to a different country. Now, that is sometimes harder to see. So re- reflections on, I would say, the, the tangibility and the... Um, Oh boy, the tangibility and the reality of such a uh, of such a something to happen. Yeah, and I appreciate the distinction that you uh, drew there between you know these are the things that you can see, and these are the things that you can't see yet and haven't even happened yet, uh, and and you've already lost them, and uh, and that's not even about material possessions because we went from that too, right? We went from material possessions to uh, you know family and descendants and, and legacy and, and all this other stuff. And he's legacy. You, you, you have, you have no legacy at this point. Uh, and, uh, I, I, um, uh, as we mentioned earlier, it, it, it's tragic. It, it, it is a, um, a failure of God's people because of their faithlessness and acknowledgement of the blessings that they have and who those blessings came from. And uh, yeah, it's devastating. And so I think about this in our own culture that we struggle to think about the future and, and here Hezekiah hears this. Okay. You're going to lose all your stuff. But you know what? He's, he's only got 15 years left anyways. Right. Mm-hmm. It's going to affect your kids. Well, I can't see that anyway. So why would I be concerned? And what's his reaction to this? He's just kind of like fine, uh, <laughs> and, and that's another part of it that 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 is difficult uh, too. Because as you mentioned, um, it is for a lot of us. It is hard for us to look back or look past our own nose uh, and to look down the road and to think in terms of uh, in terms of legacy and and all of this. But that over and over again that is the language of of the bible and the thought the thoughts of the bible is is what is going to happen what is what are the things to come uh and yet far too often uh we are focused only on the here and now uh we are instead of looking down the road we look only at ourselves and um this plays out a number of ways in our culture uh in our society and like 
we even we even joke about it, Pastor Fenner. And like I, I have a little phrase that I sometimes say to myself of when like I am not going to do something that I know I should do, but there's something more you know um, closer and and more uh, urgent that I need to take care of. And I'll say, well, I'm going to let future Josh take care of that, um, which I think I stole from a TV show. But uh, but we do this, and it's just kind of accepted of 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 just uh, we we do not think long term in so many ways and places when we should and so uh certainly hezekiah was short-sighted here because his response of just uh well as long as i have peace in in my day everything's fine and um things are not fine and the kids are not all right and it it is that this is not this is not going well you got your 15 years but but uh it it's not good and it's not going to be good, um, kind of ever again. It reminds me of a, a theological term that I, I like to say because I, I, for whatever reason I remember it is a Latin term that says "incurvatus se," which is um, turned into oneself, mm-hmm. and it's a theological term to reminder of who we are as fallen human beings that uh, we are always turned to oneself. You see this in an infant. Because all the infant cares about is itself. And then we like to think, I like to think that I um, am over that. I'm beyond the infant, right? I am I am thinking of, of other people. I am a sanctified Christian. I am doing all these great things. But there's so many times that God opens my eyes to say, wow, you are really only about yourself. So, <laughs> and what is the, so here, his response you're going to lose everything. Your children are going to have problems. They're probably going to become slaves. And what is his response? The word of the Lord is good. What should have possi- What should have been a better response uh, for uh, for Hezekiah in this case? Uh, his response should have been weeping and repentance, uh, which uh, we you know we and we see this over and over again with the prophets. Uh, we see it with Jesus and his teaching and everything, um, and you know here hezekiah is just resigned to to this fate and uh you know it it's uh, funny this is this is kind of a, a preacher joke pastor finner but uh when you see in the bible you know when the prophets go or when you know at the end of a sermon a lot of times in the bible there's one of two responses it's either uh weeping and repentance or they want to kill the preacher and so <laughs> go go now and do likewise right uh but <laughs> But here, uh, what we get from Hezekiah is just resignation of just like, well, all right, I guess I still, I, I get, I get that the that the Babylonian guy is going to take my jet ski, but I still have it for another fifteen years, so whatever. Right, and the the sad part, like you said, this is very tragic because it's one showing what's going to happen to God's people, which is not a good story. However, we see in the past of how Hezekiah, of a man of faith, is kind of presented with, you're going to get sick and you're going to die. And what does he do? He does exactly what you said before, is that um, that he prays, says, Lord, I, I'm, I'm one of yours. I'm going to do good in your sight. And he wept bitterly. Now, like we said, this is not a, uh equation, two plus two equals four type of thing, but he wept in faith and repentance. And then the Lord answered his prayers. And then right after that, is where he asked for another sign. He uh, uh, 
he shows off all his stuff and doesn't give God the credit. Um, he shows him uh, the has uh, uh, excuse me Isaiah shows him what's going to happen, and then his response is completely different. So you definitely see that battle of faith for Hezekiah. Now, can you talk a little bit about how? We see this in our own lives, and I guess you'd say, what do we do about it? Because we're going to have moments where we feel like our faith is really strong, and we're praying to the Lord well, and there's going to be other times we're going to be like apathetic, you know, like, well, whatever, it doesn't really matter. How do we how do we reconcile this as Christians, and how do we con- continue to move forward, if you will? Yeah, and it's really tough because, you, you know, you mentioned, and we talked about uh, in the first segment at the beginning of the chapter, when Hezekiah does have this, you know, this uh, uh, profound demonstration of faith and repentance, uh, we we see that in chapter 19, right before this. There's this remarkable prayer of repentance from Hezekiah that, that that's a great example for us, I would say. Uh, and so, um, you know, these are reminders for us that uh, even uh, these guys. Well, I'll, I'll say it this way: um, don't put a cape on anybody in the Bible except for Jesus, right? Because mm-hmm. we um, have these figures of men and women uh, in the history in the Old Testament and in the New Testament as well, uh, who make these remarkable declarations and demonstrations of faith and everything. And, and, you know, our temptation is to be, is to, you know, place them on a pedestal and, I always like to bring up the story of, you know, David and Goliath. And uh, if you, with that story, if you're a bad Bible teacher, you'll tell people like, uh, hey, Goliath is like all the challenges that you have in your life. And you're like David and you've got a sling and you've got some, you know, you've got some rocks and you're going to be able to beat that thing in your life. It's like, no, that is not the, the uh, that is not what we learned from the story of David and Goliath. Okay. What, you know who you are in the story of David and Goliath? You are the Israelites t- cowering in fear in the corner. See? Mm-hmm. Because Jesus is the better David. Okay? Well, I'm David. I've got five. I've got five rocks. You'll miss every one of them, dude. No, Jesus is the better David. See, Jesus is the one who, who conquers the challenges in your life. He's the one who you put your faith in. You don't put your faith in yourself. You don't put your faith in your room full of stuff that you have that you can show the Babylonian king. Hey, look at all my items that I have. Haven't I done a great thing here? Um, no, man. It's it's they're all the good things that I've done. You know, I've, I've done this and I've done this. Filthy rags, dude. Isaiah the prophet himself says that. Uh, no, it, it all of these things, and when we. Uh, have challenges, Pastor Fenner, and, and you know we joke around here a little bit and everything, and I, I don't do that to discount any of the challenges that anybody faces. Because man, life life is hard, life is difficult. We have challenges, and what those challenges do all the more is they call us back to Him, and they remind us of His grace, and they remind us of His mercy, and they remind us of His love for us. And so, uh, anytime. We, we, we have those kinds of adversity and those things that it calls us back to him. And this is a great reminder. Thank you for that, Pastor Kanipa, because uh, I'm going to, I wrote that down. Don't put a cape on anyone but Jesus. We heard recently from one of our guests that said, there's only one hero in the Bible and it's God. And I thought that was a great way to put all this because we want to look at Elijah and say, boy, he's got it all together. 
You know, we want to look at Elisha and say they have it all together. We want to look at David. We want to look at Isaiah. We want to look at all these people and say, wow, they never wavered once. But the reality is they did. But the only one, and this is why Jesus being tempted in the desert is so powerful, is because all that like Adam and Eve couldn't do, Jesus could. With the same guy, basically similar scenarios, um, worse scenarios, 40 days in the desert, completely starving and thirsty and everything else. But he did not fall into temptation, which is like you said, I, I encourage our listeners to write that down too. Don't put a cape on anyone but in the Bible, but Jesus. And that's true for our own lives as well, because we all have our idols. We all want to show off our idols, um, but we probably need to be showing off Jesus more often in our lives. So, Pastor, we only have a few minutes left here. Let me read these last two verses, which are very simplistic, but they are important because they are the Word of God. And then let's uh, get a few summary thoughts before we end our time in God's Word. Verses 20 and 21. The rest of the deeds of Hezekiah and all his might and how he made the pool and the conduit and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. Um, not a whole lot there, but, you know, obviously Hezekiah did some good things. We don't want to degrade him as a person that did nothing good, but what does it tell us in these last two verses? Yeah, you know, so we had this uh, really neat uh, kind of innovative uh, deal where where uh, Hezekiah has, has this uh, pathway for water and, and uh, irrigation and all that stuff to bring it into the city, which uh, you can go visit that uh, over in the Holy Land when we can do kind of that kind of thing again. Uh, I've seen that, uh, at least the representation of it that we have with us now. Uh, I've, I've seen it uh, when in, in visiting over there. But uh, it, it, uh, he did some good things. He started off well. Um, but then we get to that last verse, Pastor Fennard, and it's, it's almost just foreboding just because we know the rest of the story. But he slept with his fathers, which I like that uh, phraseology. It's just it kind of uh, it demonstrates the importance, I think, of legacy and family and all that other stuff. You know, what does it mean when you're not with us anymore? Mm-hmm. He slept with his fathers. Uh, and Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. And uh, if spoiler alert, if you've read the next couple of chapters, Manasseh is one of the most wicked kings that Judah has. Probably the, the most wicked king that Judah ends up having. And uh, mm-hmm. it just uh, it draws me back to that the verses we were just looking at where Isaiah's like, you're going to lose your sons. It's it's not your legacy. It's not going to be good. And Hezekiah kind of doesn't care. And it's like, you know what? Maybe if you cared more, Manasseh wouldn't have been such a train wreck. But uh, it 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 just it goes badly from here. And and I know you know we still have a couple a hundred more years, what whatever it is, 150 more years of of the kingdom of Judah. But it it feels like from this point forward, it just goes bad very quickly. And um, I think it's a reminder for us to uh, Hezekiah. I know we're running out of time, but Hezekiah is a guy who uh, he started off well, but he didn't finish. And uh, that's something and a big lesson that we can bring forward. And we, we, we see it more than once in the Kings of the Old Testament. But uh, being a starter is very easy. Being a finisher is very difficult. Uh, and so we want to have not the kind of finish that Hezekiah had, but instead we want to be the kind of finish and have the kind of finish that Paul talks about in second Timothy, where he can say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the Mm. faith. And he, 
you know, entreats, you know, Pastor Timothy in that and, and saying like, bro, don't run out of gas. Don't, don't slack off. Don't do that. Instead, be a finisher because a world has plenty of starters, but we need to be finishers. And uh, that's our lesson, I think, ultimately from Hezekiah is a negative one of, of don't be like him at the end. Instead, finish well. Pastor Joshua Knippa of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Nederland, Texas, given us God's strong word from 2 Kings chapter 20. Pastor Knippa, thank you again for being our guest. Thank you, Brady. Thank you, Pastor Finner. As saints of our Lord, it is said so well, we need to finish. And this is what the, he- the writer to the Hebrews says, that since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This is what we are. This is who we are. Hezekiah started strong and did not finish, but we fix our eyes on our Lord Jesus Christ who did finish. It is finished in Christ, and therefore we will have the finish, which is eternal life with him. I'm your host, Brady Fenner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. Music